And any business owner has a balancing act, but there are a lot more variables when you have a kid. So I'm much more able to apply my skills specifically to a person who's trying to balance a business and a family and trying to negotiate all the uncertainty and second guessing and doubt and stress that goes with all those things. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is number seven in the Sea Change series. It's a conversation with Micah Larson. Many regular listeners might remember Micah from her appearance on the pod back in January. In the time since that interview, Micah has completely transformed her business. Her experience of pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood motivated a desire to focus on women entrepreneurs and helping them advance their businesses. It's an inspiring story. Micah goes deep in this conversation, and I thank her for her courage. I'm excited to bring it to you right now. Okay, so we're here today with Micah Larson. Micah, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back, Justin. Yeah, a lot has changed since our last conversation. We'll get into all of that. This episode is, I don't know which number, but it's part of the Sea Change series. I think you're a perfect fit for this series and this investigation we're doing here through the podcast, but more broadly here at the University of Montana. So it's great to see you and great to have you back in the studio. Thanks. So a lot has changed for you. Probably most prominently, you know, our mother. I am. Last time I was here in the studio, I was like extremely large in a pregnant way. Yeah. So no longer. And not, I mean, truth be told, not super comfortable. I mean, you think you, you endured a little bit of suffering to go through with the first pod. I did. Yeah. Um, worth it. Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. some of our listeners think so as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all the suffering of pregnancy is worth it too. When did you realize that? Oh, um, I kind of had an interesting road to having my son who's almost five yeah. months now wilder. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about that? It was pretty wild. Yeah, it was. Um, he's lived up to his name so yeah. far. Did you know that Wilder's my middle name? Are you serious? Yeah, there you go. <gasps> I like you even more. Okay. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, off to a good start. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, foolishly, I'm a young, like, pretty healthy person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're supposed to read, like, the what to expect when you're expecting books. And I did that, but I skipped all the chapters on, like, preeclampsia, which uh, um, was something that I really should have read because I unexpectedly, when I was uh, six months pregnant, um, had severe preeclampsia, which... And tell us what that is. Yeah, I didn't know. I actually had to Google it yeah. while it was happening. I've heard um, it talked about, but again, like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. It sounds scary. It is. So basically, um, you know how an organ donor can get someone else's organ put in their body and sometimes their body rejects it. Yeah. It's like that, but it happens to your baby. Oh, okay. Uh, so your body, basically your uterus is becomes allergic to your placenta and your baby. And get so, out. Yeah. So the only way to fix it is to get the baby out. Mm. But when it happens too early in your pregnancy, you kind of have to wait as long as you possibly can. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I was in the hospital for a month, and then my son was in the NICU, Um being in the hospital for a month is hard when you're a busy person. Yeah. <laughs> I was on bed rest. Right. For a I long can't time. even I can't even picture this. 
Oh, yeah. I can because you 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 sort of put some pictures out on your Instagram feed of the whole thing. Yeah, um, I um kept up on my YouTube channel, so I kind of like put a sign on my door that said "Don't come in, I'm filming," and the nurses <laughs> are like not happy about that. Yeah, sure. The doctors are like, "Well, yeah, our priority. We have priority over this." Yeah, and it, actually, it was this amazing. Um, there are a lot of silver linings to it because I it made me a much better mom than I would have been. Um, I had a lot of time to focus on what it meant to make choices for someone else. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people say that being a mother is about sacrifice, and that was really living that. Um, not how I pictured, you know, nobody's birth plan involves um, being on bed rest for a really no, long time. And that's like not how you would draw it up. Peeing in a bucket and, like, you know, yeah. all this. <laughs> um, but it turned out fine, and it launched this really interesting journey. I've been on um, focusing on uniquely women's yeah. issues. Yeah, so let's we'll, we'll we'll get to that. I'd love to just sort of hear a little bit more about this this the moment at which you know the process through which you decided it was all worth it. I mean, because this is pregnancy is a thing in and of itself. Yeah, I can't even begin to imagine. <laughs> I've just observed it. Um, but yeah, going through this giant sort of medically mediated ordeal and bed rest and and emergency procedures and, and seeing your son in the NICU has to be traumatic as well. Yeah. Um, what sort of thoughts, fears, emotions are you grappling with in those moments? Because you just, you have a lot of time there with your thoughts, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that I'm great with. I yeah. usually start, try to stay busy because I'm pretty high strung. Sure. And being in a bed, um, not being allowed to leave your wing of the hospital is you have a lot of time to think. So it was a great time to exercise focus on um, silver linings. And so one of the great things that came out of it was um, realizing I have such a great community of fellow women who've been through um, similar situations and know what it's like to go through this process of becoming a mother. Um, If, you know, I'm not a superstitious person, but Fertility has been a really strange journey for me mm-hmm. because I never thought I was going to have kids. And so five years ago, I decided to become an egg donor. And oh, wow. I went through a process of getting screened to become a donor. And they were usually when you become a donor, they say, you'll probably never be chosen out of the database. But if you do, sure. it'll probably be like in two or three years. Two weeks after I was put in the database, a couple who had had six miscarriages said, final shot we want you to be our donor wow and i was living in texas at the time and started going through all the screening for the donation and they told me not only are you not suitable for a donor but we think that you're infertile so i had just become friends with my um future husband at the time Uh and he was a med student and i had him go with me to um, do this ultrasound to find out if not only was I going to be able to have my own kids someday if I wanted, but to become a donor for this couple. And um, I kind of watched his face while he watched the ultrasound screen. Oh, and he had he this huge smile. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. And he thought this was going the other way. But. Yes. Well, I did too. Yeah. And it's one of those things that um, there are a lot of inherent things about being a woman that you only start to realize, I think, when you're in your 20s. And that's why maybe being in your 20s is hard. And one of them is that if you decide you want to have kids, you just assume that you're going to be able to if you want sure. to. Yeah. And um, turns out I not only could have my 
own kids. I didn't know I would be having him with Erica at the time. But I helped have um, a little boy who's four years old now, my donor son, and he lives in Texas. Um, And he was born on February 10th. And so that's kind of always an auspicious day for me and didn't really know how to feel about it because it's kind of heartbreaking to have this kid who's biologically yours and your hormones are telling you that is yours and you never meet this person. Mm. And uh, so... Fast forward to 2018, I miscarried on that on February 10th. Oh my gosh! And then in the hospital in February 10th, 2019, we started to induce labor for my son Wilder, who is now five months old. And so, not a suspicious, uh, superstitious person. Hard but, not to be with those sort of string of February 10th. Yeah, it's been. It was just an opportunity to meditate, kind of on what is this mean to be focusing all of my energy on this person who is about to come into the world and um, what does motherhood look like? And it started to feel like motherhood looks like making sacrifices um, that are truly for this little being who is your responsibility. And my sacrifice was staying in that bed without getting out for as many days as I possibly could to give my son the best shot at life. Mm -hmm. Because every day that I could have him stay in there, was another day I was putting my brain and my organs at risk because preeclampsia leads to organ failure. Yeah. And oh my um, gosh. I started. Yeah, these trade offs are just. Yeah. So horrific. It, it was hard um, because I could bail out if yeah. I needed to. Yeah. But it, every day I woke up and said, I'm going to have to, I'm going to do another day. Mm-hmm. And even though there were a lot of signs that my brain was under pressure from this really? illness. And so, yeah, it was like an internal fight a lot of times. And that's something that um, is a really female problem mm-hmm. so i spent a lot of time thinking about womanhood and that, that. Uh, i'm sure yeah and, and so thinking about i'm thinking about the dynamics with your partner your husband eric yeah. yes right? physician mm-hmm. right and so does that make it easier or does that make it harder you have somebody who deeply understands what's going on with you medically but is also your support structure translator I don't know what roles he's playing necessarily, but how is that playing out? Is it different having a physician as a partner in this in this journey of yours? Um, it made it so much easier because okay. he is so fluent in all these um, this other language of yeah. medicine, and it made me realize I couldn't imagine going through navigating like the healthcare system and health insurance and all these procedures and everything and without someone who people do it all the time, but it made it a lot easier to have somebody who could help me make those decisions from a really educated perspective. And he is like the most calm under fire dude that you possibly could Mm -hmm. imagine. Um, And I tried, I labored for 36 hours stubbornly trying to do it without an epidural. And when I finally got one, we had a moment where Eric, was about to start scrubbing in to do an emergency C-section on me himself. And that is um, a situation we never thought we would be in. (laughs) That's not in the birth plan. And no, it was not. Um, And, but to have someone who truly has your back in those moments is really powerful. But on the flip side, you also know a lot of scary things that can happen. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) When you're married to somebody who used to practice OB. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, it was a privilege to have... A doctor on your side. Yeah. And so coming out of this, I mean, so so listeners who haven't had the chance to listen to the previous episode with Mike, I think it posted on January 11th. We talk a lot about your your, your career as a persuasion scientist or now rogue persuasion scientist, <laughs> I think is the full brand, right? 
so I encourage folks to go back and, and listen to that. But in the time since uh, the birth of Wilder, you've had a pretty tremendous pivot or I don't know if pivot's the right word, clarification yeah. of, of your interests as an entrepreneur and as a consultant. Let's talk about that journey. I mean, I think that's kind of the meat of this conversation. Yeah, thanks, Justin. With all that time in the hospital, um, I worked a lot and read a lot. Uh, my brain wasn't working really well. So I did sure. some, um, you know, I had all these things on my schedule, like I'm going to do a a show on my YouTube channel and invite people on um, to talk about their entrepreneurial journeys. And I decided, you know, I might be drugged up, but I'm still going to do it. So it wasn't the best product. But, um, you know, I was still focusing on work. And during that pivot and clarification in my life, I really had the courage to focus on the group of people that I and most interested in, and that's women business owners. Okay. Not only because I can understand them, but they have a really unique set of challenges that I'm uniquely qualified to address. Yeah, let's talk about those challenges. I mean, so so you lived the life, or you you do live the life of a of a woman entrepreneur, and now you've you've um, changed the focus of your business to helping women entrepreneurs overcome some of those barriers. Let's maybe start with some of the barriers that you experienced before you decided that. You know, you wanted to take your business in this direction. Uh, what were some of the things you were banging your head against and, and feeling that, that were unique to women? Yeah. Um, gender discrimination is enormous. Mm-hmm. And I work in a STEM field now. And as a business owner, those yeah. are pretty male-dominated fields. Sexual assault, harassment, um, eating disorders. These are all... Um, eating disorders in the service of trying to maintain some aesthetic... Yeah, the marketplace demands. Yeah, or okay. you know, statistics would just tell you that that's more of a, a female problem than a male mm-hmm. problem, and yeah. so especially on college campuses like yeah. around here. And these are all things that I kind of use the metaphor of a backpack. So these are heavy burdens that a lot of women put in their backpack over their peri- their lifetime. So by the time they're in their you know mid twenties or thirties, their backpack's pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, and so they're still trying to walk the same journey everybody else is, but they're carrying this heavy load emotionally mm-hmm. and psychologically. And my job now is to try to turn some of those adversities, those heavy things in the backpack into tools that we can pull out and okay. use, um, turn those, that adversity into our advantages because I'm about silver linings. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was something I focus on a lot, um, being in the hospital and, um, Uniquely female experiences can really empower us, too. Yeah, so you develop this this clarity. You want to pivot your business. What's next? How do you go do it? Like, What was the first move? Yeah, uh, I'm lucky to live in here in Missoula where I'm surrounded by a lot of fantastic women business owners. Yeah. So I started doing market research, and I wanted to talk to women business owners who – and I asked you know, a pretty open-ended question. What's difficult for you about – yeah. being a business owner and resounding answer is that I don't know how to talk about it. Oh, okay. Or, you know, challenges being, I'm not always taken seriously because mm-hmm. of my gender or I have to work really hard to be seen as an expert in my field. Or, you know, they're trying to negotiate people, you know, pay me fairly for what right, right. my my service or um, it's really hard to ask people for money and ask people for the amount that you are really worth. Mm -hmm. And for women, that's particularly difficult because of those things that we carry in our backpack. Sure. So uh, those are things that I can address because my background in persuasion science, I know a lot of things that we can do to, um, while 
feeling authentic and not being overly aggressive or um, dominating in conversation, how you can ask for what you're worth and be seen as an authority. Mm -hmm. So these themes arise, this sort of not being taken seriously, this uh, not feeling like you can get compensated fairly for, for your value that you're contributing. Let's just take those two examples. So what are some techniques and um, lessons that you've been able to develop that uh, that are, are appealing to your new customers of, of female entrepreneurs? That's a good question. So if we're talking about um, motivating people, sure. um, one really important thing we can think about is fluency. So our brains are kind of wired to want to take the easy way out all the time. Like they want to take the path of least resistance. So I was just talking to a woman business owner over cocktails about this. She's having a hard time motivating her team. She's a business owner. Every week when she checks in with them, it seems like they're not meeting their goals. And so she's wondering, asking me, how can I motivate them? Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, so uh, Honda, the car company, actually Uh used something called bundling. So bundling is all about making tasks seem psychologically easier, Mm -hmm. more fluent, less the path of least resistance. Um, So when you bundle tasks, say um, this business owner, she wants people to meet their sales goals and she has a lot of steps in that process. So if she can sit down and bundle a lot of those tasks into three simple steps Uh and just encourage them to meet that first one, that seems much more fluent and easy for them to accomplish. So it's all about how you deliver and you communicate those expectations and the goals. The more fluent or easy and simple you can make your expectations seem, the more likely people are to buy in. Now, does that fluency have different benefits for men versus women? Is it, is it, is it, does it vary by gender, the efficacy of it, or how you implement? Not as far as I know. Okay. I wonder if there are studies done on, you know, controlling for gender. I don't know. But... And um, a lot of things I teach would work just as well for men. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But when we're thinking about the, you know, women all over the country are now speaking out more about the fact that, you know, like our uh, women's national soccer team right now, mm-hmm. they're fighting uh, a legal battle after just having won their fourth World Cup and coming home and saying, no, we want to be paid yeah. equal. Um, they're actually bringing in more revenue for FIFA than the men's team. And um, people watch them more. And performing at a much higher level. Yeah. yeah. Um, Men didn't even qualify for the World Cup, yet Mm -hmm. the women are being paid like a fraction. And so that's representative of so many women in all kinds of industries. I happen to just want to focus on helping women business owners use subtle psychological skills they're comfortable with to make an equal wage. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. This is John Twiggs with Montana PBS, and you're listening to A New Angle. Yeah, so the product isn't necessarily... Well, the product is... I guess your, your target customer has really shifted. It has, because um, I think you can do... I know that I'm better at what I do when I focus on a specific person. Yeah, and that would you know that's consistent with a lot of branding theory yeah. and all of that, but it's still a big risk for you in the sense that you know you don't want to sort of simplify it too much, but yeah, cutting your customer, your potential customer base in half, right? Yeah, and I actually worked with a lot more men. Yeah. Previously. Yeah. Um, if you were to look at my um, webcasts and stuff, you'd see the they're almost exclusively male entrepreneurs I mm-hmm. work with, so it was a really big risk, um, but it's about what matters. I want to make an impact. Yeah. Um, and that, like all that time in the hospital, 
I'm glad we talked about that because that was really where it hit me that, that, that that's what I should be doing. And think about you mentioning that you have that you previously had primarily managed your clients. Have you noticed a difference in sort of the willingness to ask for help or to hire out help for for communications and influence and things like that? Are Men, women more hesitant to 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 reach out? I don't think that they're less likely to seek help, but it they're less likely to seek out persuasion. Mm. That word, uh, I've been told that I use a lot more male language, which interesting is true to how I know myself, right? Because I like I'm a pretty argumentative, assertive person, and um, persuasion is a word that appeals to men. Communication is a word that appeals to women, and we're talking about the same thing, right? But the way I used to brand myself was a lot more appealing to men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess I could. I could see that. Yeah. And your website and your YouTube channel, the whole sort of affectation of all of it, positioning of it has changed pretty dramatically too. Yeah. But it's authentic because of the life I'm living now. I'm My husband works 100 hours a week, yeah. most weeks. And so I'm, you know, on my own a lot. And I bring Wilder with me. He sits in on my, if you watch my YouTube channel, he's in my videos because, not because he wants to be, but because... I don't have childcare, right? Yeah. I'm a working mom and I'm a... Um, He's not here now. Where's Wilder now? Um, with his dad. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and his grandparents just flew in. Perfect. So, yeah. Um, it's one of those times where I get to, you know, miss him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How's that feel? <laughs> it's bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any parent will tell you your focus changes, but um, I, it's a real gift. Mm-hmm. That's very cliche. Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you spending some of that precious time with us here at <laughs> yeah. the pod. Um, let's talk more about this sort of pivot of the business because I'm, I'm interested in it from the standpoint of the comment you made er- earlier about having more managed clients, feeling like maybe not realizing it, but realizing it eventually that the positioning was more appealing to men. Um, what did you have to really think through in terms of how you articulate um, your value proposition to appeal to more women and to be more authentic to that to that um, to that vision for your for your business. Yeah, let me be clear. I've made so many mistakes as a business owner, as everyone has. But one of the biggest ones I made was thinking that, like most business owner women, young women business owners, that you have to lead with your qualifications. Yeah, that you don't get to lead with your personality um, that I had to talk about my master's degree and be a scientist in order for people to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that was true. Um, But when people really connect with me and relate to me, and when I do my best work is when I'm talking about I'm a person and a mom, and I changed my son's diaper in the backseat of my car, and I have spit up down the back of my shirt, um, and I'm a scientist. that's where the rubber really hits the road. Sure. And I can really have open conversations with people. Um, and I've been able to engage with people on a whole new level. And speaking of that, like you, you wrote a piece recently that I read about sort of vulnerability and you know, some colleagues of yours sort of feeling like they were imposters or mm-hmm. imposter syndrome or something like that. Um, it sounded like that really has been an experience that, that that's resonated with you, like making yourself more vulnerable to others kind of by necessity throughout this process. Yeah, because being a mom, especially working, mom can be kind of isolating, right? Yeah. So uh, I just had this amazing opportunity to sit with a group of extraordinarily brilliant women, and 
I didn't have childcare, so my baby came with me. Yep. And I'm trying to flex this muscle, practicing not getting up out of my chair when he starts to make noise. And uh, Jackie Moore, who is here from the university yep. and is one of my personal heroes, said, um, you know, when I have mom students in my class and they bring their baby and people say, well, that's annoying because the baby's making noise, that she reminds them that mom is working so much harder to be in class here with her kid and be a mom and a student at the same time than yeah. that far outweighs like the inconsequential inconvenience of that child. Right. Um, so, but it's hard to be that mom with kind of a noisy kid in any setting. Oh man. And yeah, I mean, you, yeah, obviously not a mom, but like I've been there with the, the kid that you want, really want to cooperate. You really want to appear like you have it all together as a parent and yeah. you're good at this. Yeah. You, and it's just all the social dynamics are really complicated. Yeah. And so like your first instinct is to get up and like I've already missed so much stuff because I get up and leave the room. Yeah, right? get up, run away. But that can be isolating because you're often left standing outside of a room. Like I missed my sister's maid of honor speech at a wedding recently oh, because, gosh. you know, and it's it's okay. But it's just you're often um, the person nursing standing outside because you don't want to make other people uncomfortable. Uh, so I'm being able to be authentic and saying, yeah, that's a real thing. And so sometimes, you know, when you're a woman or a mom and a business person, you have to work harder to overcome. That's like something in our backpack, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm being open about that. And I wrote on the blog, my blog recently, yeah, I, um, it's good to be honest and say I'm new at this because people love that authenticity and they can trust you and form a relationship on that openness. Um, that specific blog post, I was talking about how I lactated on a Target employee on accident. Um, which may not be unfamiliar to uh, nursing moms, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny now, the story. It probably um, wasn't funny when it was happening. No, right? but then, like, a lot of people can relate to that, but sure. it's something we don't talk about. Also, breastfeeding is super hard, and it's hard to do when you're working. Um, and that's, like, a conversation we should be having because it's a, a burden that a lot of women have that's not socially acceptable yet. Why do we put these things in the backpack? I mean, why do we just not talk about them. I mean, your experience with uh, preeclampsia and this just really challenging birth experience for your son, I mean, we went, we went through some challenges on our path to have children, a mm -hmm. lot of miscarriages and problems like that. And, and you feel so alone mm -hmm. until after the fact when everybody tells you, oh yeah, we had that too, or we had this too. And well, why didn't you tell me ahead of time? Right. You know, right. like you the time when it, that support system, I mean, it's certainly useful to have that support system after the fact, but when you're in it, that'd be a useful time to have it as well. Right. And I've already had people come to me and say, I'm glad that you shared this uh, postpartum anxiety, that you had a miscarriage, that you donated your eggs. And I've had so many people come to me and say, I'm really glad you're open yeah. to about that because I'm going through it now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's so enlightening. And I... You know, there's like a social pressure to not talk openly about women's issues. Or, for example, um, I breastfeed in public, like at the farmer's market, whatever. Yesterday I was at Bernice's Bakery. Isn't it mandatory it. at the farmer's market? Yes, I think so. Because I mean, like, you're wearing your Birkenstocks and you have a kombucha and you breastfeed. Totally. Um, so that's an easy place to do it. Less easy to do it in a professional setting. Very not much that so. I'm going to whip a boob out all the time. But I do a lot because my kid needs to eat. And um, But there's like the social pressure that you shouldn't be doing that or it's like a gross thing and you should be in a lactation room or he should you should do it in the bathroom. But um, that's it's the same with talking about other women's issues. And I think a lot of professional women will tell you the same. It's kind of um, hush, hush. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it goes in the backpack. It goes in the backpack. 
more weight to carry. Yeah. So let's um talk about not you know how this experience of motherhood has also shaped your consulting practice in the sense that not only are you focused on women entrepreneurs, but as an entrepreneur yourself and as a mother, I'm sure some of the, your clients are mothers facing the same challenges you're facing. How mm-hmm. has that work kind of played out for you? We can speak the same language. Okay. And it is a different language. It's kind of when you become a mom, you're a member of this cool club that you didn't know existed. And you're really on the same level because you can understand that most of your brain power goes to um, raising a child and is this crazy balancing act. And any business owner has a balancing act, but there's a lot more variables when you have a kid. So I'm much more able to apply my skills specifically to a person who's trying to balance a business and a family and trying to negotiate all the uncertainty and second guessing and doubt and stress that goes with all of those things. Let's talk about some things you've learned from some of your clients. Oh, my gosh. To help you be a better entrepreneur, better mom. Mm. Yeah, um, I've learned that that second guessing is something that is a major challenge yeah. for women business owners, that every move we make, we take a step back and think, you know, should I really be asking for that much? Or um, kind of that imposter syndrome that you mentioned earlier, that that's like a huge phantom mm-hmm. that stands over our shoulder and um, that we can do a lot of work to put that behind us. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit okay. and talk, well, not necessarily pivot. I mean, I think all this stuff we've been talking about is squarely right down the middle of what we're trying to do with the Sea Change uh, series. Um, but when you think about your work, Micah, you know, of the three letters, accelerate, the A, kind of seems the most in your wheelhouse. Yeah. The work you you do and what you can contribute to this initiative seems squarely in the acceleration place. How do you sort of view that? And what was your what was your entry point into learning about Sea Change and and what was your response to it? Um, well, you introduced me to the lovely Kelly mm-hmm. Webster. and um, Chief of staff to the president here at the University of Montana. Yes. If you don't know her, you should. You should. So I got She to probably s- knows you. <laughs> yeah. Kelly knows a lot of stuff. Correct. And she's super passionate about the sea change. So safety, empowerment, acceleration. And I think that I am, empower women too, but the accelerate part, um, Kelly was wondering how might I plug in to helping women on the UM campus. We know that women enter college and graduate college at a faster rate than men, but yep. there's this point at their in their life where they stop performing at the same rate professionally. What is that? Mm-hmm. And is it having kids? Is it trying to do that juggling act? Is it imposter syndrome? Right. Is and it the backpack? Who it, knows? The backpack, I think, is the backpack. Um, and the women who do keep performing and go get past that hump, what is it about them that makes them resilient? And how can we kind of narrow that down and then sow those seeds into women here at UM so that they are resilient and they overcome that hump. I'm kind of in the hump right now because it would be really easy to quit and just stay at home and nothing wrong with that at all. And that is an extremely important job. It's just not what I want to do because that's a big part of my, who I am Mm -hmm. as a business owner. Um, So that was a conversation Kelly and I had, and I am excited that I might be able to address that question, how can we make younger women feel more resilient through the lens of 
persuasion and social science. You know, I would have to say, like, you've you've been around a fair share of universities in different places with different cultures. You've done work on... Oh, was it on some STD protocols? Um, yeah. So you've done you've done some complex communications work on challenging topics of sexuality, um, where there's intense gender dynamics. What of your this is a big question, but what of your experience across these universities sort of lent you to think that's in terms of what sea change is capable of here. I didn't really word that very well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you've been around a lot of universities. What are you expecting of us if we're going to be legit with this sea change thing? What do we have to do? That's a good question. I think um, the first thing we have to do is think about how is this relevant to the students? So, you know, we can sit here with our professional careers and think, well, this is what young women should be learning, but is that going to be meaningful for them at the time? I have to think we have to think through the lens of somebody who's walking around as an undergraduate or graduate yeah. student on our I mean, just cr- we got to get a student on this series, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's already, we're, yeah. They need to be part of the conversation. Um, I taught public speaking at a university at, in grad school and have been lucky enough to spend a lot of time on college campuses, which I adore. And I love working with college students. What I think that's more re- relevant to young women, what experiences are they having now that are relevant to see change you know how many times have you tried to contribute to something in class and had a male student speak over you Mm. or interrupt you or um you know have are you pursuing a career path in in an area where it's male dominated sure you're gonna experience you know it's gonna be more of an uphill climb there are a lot of things that are happening in, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old women's lives that we can address really well with sea change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't even uh, – yeah. I, I guess I've been thinking of showing people role models through this podcast, uh, aspirational role mm-hmm. models. But, you know, we, we have to get the voice of the students involved in, in this series. In particular, I, you know, I can't speak to what sea change is doing student-wide across campus, but I think that point is is super well taken. I mean, I I guess what I was getting at is, you know, universities do a lot of things to Mm. sort of communicate that we're doing a lot of good things, right? Mm -hmm, And mm so, you know, there's some sort of cynical view that, hey, is this just window dressing? Is this just some marketing campaign that the University of Montana is doing? And I was asking, because you've been around a bunch of universities, probably seen iterations of similar empowerment-oriented initiatives, whoever it's for, I I don't know. But, you know, why are you willing to bet bet that this one will be meaningful and impactful? Yeah, I mean, I was working on college campuses and living on college campuses when, um, you know, sexual assault was being addressed more all of a sudden. And that's kind of like a necessary um, step one, making sure that um, women are not being sexually assaulted at such an incredibly high rate yeah. on college campuses. I was sexually assaulted on a college campus when I was 17. So that issue is relevant to me. Um, and that is like the window dressing you're talking about. A lot of uh, college campuses are saying, of course, we're taking safety precautions sure. for that. But I think what UM wants to do is look deeper into the issue and um, think about that's a symptom of a systematic issue. Yeah. And so what's not just PR about this effort, from what I know about Sea Change, is that they're looking deeper into, you know, how can we give women 
resilience. And so that um, we address like the underlying issues mm-hmm. um, that cause things like sexual assault, eating disorders, like this drop off in performance later in life. Yeah. And so how will you hold us accountable? I mean, you're, you're, you're somebody who gets shit done. And, Thank you. And, and you have, <laughs> you don't mince words, let's put it that way, right? Yeah. So, you know, how are you going to hold us accountable? That's a good question. And I hope that I see those, I mean, it, sea change is addressing an enormous question. Is that yeah. the, is the question of gender discrimination. And there are so many issues that tie into that, like mm-hmm. um, performance and women earning 80 cents to the dollar and things like that. Um, so it's a big responsibility to, f- to figure out how UM should be held accountable. I would love to see young women, more young women in Missoula, feeling confident in their ability to contribute to um, this amazing ecosystem we have here in Missoula of women who lead. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll be watching for that. But I think that we will see a lot of positive change once the change gets rolling. And I'm kind of thinking as I'm answering because I don't really know how we'll hold see change accountable. But when you're trying to address a problem this big, I think a lot of benefits will come that we can't even foresee. Yeah, I think it's pretty fluid. Yeah, because we're you're trying to uplift an entire gender mm-hmm. of people. And, you know, first question, what, how inclusive can we be with women? Right. right? right. And so there's just an enormous amount of questions we have yet to answer. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely look forward to investigating some of those answers, uh, not only on this show, but but with you in, previ- in, in future conversations. Um, before we sign off, Micah, how can people learn uh, more about your business? Where can they find you online? Yeah. So if you type in Micah, M-I-C-A-H, Larson with an E, into YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel. And find me at Micah Larson underscore on Instagram. And that's where I am most often. On my YouTube channel, I really like to talk about tips for women business owners mm-hmm. and how they can You're feel- prolific. I mean, you put out videos every couple of days. Yeah. Thank you. I try. And my son's in a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and that's where I like to have these honest conversations about, yeah. you know, how can we be confident and represent ourselves the best way possible to achieve equality and success. Well, thanks for doing that on the show and everywhere else. And uh, great to catch up. And, um, yeah, just good luck with the new journey. And I'm excited to hear about all the new chapters. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for being a part of the Sea Change. All right. Always enjoy a conversation with Micah. Thanks so much for coming back on the pod and sharing your story. Coming up next week, we have a conversation with art professors Elizabeth Dove and Brad Allen. Learn all about their exciting new project, the Innovation Factory here at the University of Montana, next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps, executive producer Stefan Borsum and interns Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, 
If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.